Joel! What's up? Oh, it's so nice to see you. It's nice to see you too as well. I'm going to get this mic stand so you get a little better audio. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. I understand as a fellow podcaster, sometimes your guest sounds like they're recording in an aquarium. (laughs) Our last guest was a recording from their pool. Oh, that's in in not next to in the pool underwater. It was yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> and then we had a previous guest that did it in their car. Yeah, yep. the sound cannot. Well, well, while they're driving. No, no, thank God. No. Stationary. <laughs> oh, just okay. Parked. The sound, sound in a car can't be. It's sometimes not that bad. It's very condensed. It's kind of like a sound booth. Have you yeah. had have you had guests driving while recording? No, no, no. And I've, I rarely, um, I didn't really do any Skype or phone interviews, uh, until quarantine, like in the early days of hot breath, I did a few phone interviews, but that was like the first 10 episodes. Some of those are phoners, but everything else has been in person. I like that. Recently, that was the way to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I like that word too. Phoners. It's a nice, fun one to Owner, say. We're so industry <laughs> insight here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Clear the throat. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan, and I'm your first host. Joining me on this lovely day is Eric Hughes, co-host. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Good time to you all. We're also joined by a very special guest. He's been in comedy for 10 years and just released his very own stand-up special. He's also the host of the award-winning podcast, Hot Breath. Sorry, I'll say it louder. (laughs) Hot Breath. That makes comedy accessible to anyone through his experience and his star-studded guest list. Everybody, please welcome Joel Byers. Yeah, thank you, Stefan and Eric. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you on this wonderful day? I am doing great. Just had a nice uh, meal with my wife, you know, so keeping the trophy husband status alive. (laughs) And um, I hand cooked it in the microwave. So still still living on for another day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, everything's been great here. We're making the best of being quarantined and really it's great to connect with other people like you that are doing a lot of positive things to help keep people entertained and inspired. That's awesome, man. And I want to dig into that because you, I feel like you've been a comedian for 10 years. Want to talk about how you got into it. And then I also want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing during quarantine because it seems like you've been crushing it i was able to watch one of the the joke competitions for your facebook group that you had Uh and uh, i thought that was awesome i also was curious about how you have such a positive group of people that are commenting (laughs) because i was expecting some expletives some people to dog on each other so it sounds like just so much positivity is surrounding you which is awesome yeah, that's you. It's kind of who said um, I think I, I interviewed Beth Stelling this week and she said your words are magnets. And really, that's very intentional. And starting out in that Facebook group, I was live streaming to Facebook and YouTube. But YouTube is a dumpster fire. It's like the comments on YouTube. It is all <laughs> negativity. So we just kept it into our private Facebook group that anyone's welcome to join. 
And it, the community has been positive and that's by design because on social media, there is a lot of negativity and that seems to be people's default setting on social media. So I really wanted to be intentional about cultivating a positive energy and a positive community that I'm glad you're noticing because that was like the goal from the beginning is to have like a positive space for comedians and comedy fans to connect and learn from each other. Yeah, I absolutely felt the positivity. I also feel like you just have such a great voice. It's it reminds me of my voice, but just a little bit better. Like I'm the <laughs> I'm the RC Cola voice, and then you're just the premium Coca Cola. <laughs> it's just really nice. It's lovely to listen to. <laughs> yours is yours is as well. I was really noticing your voice and welcome to the show, Joel. Yeah. So this is my actual voice. I just try to yeah, beef yeah. it up for the. <laughs> He can code switch, I see. I do the same. <laughs> so I was going to ask, we'll get a little bit into the Facebook group and hot breath and everything, but I wanted to ask yeah. about comedy, how you got into it. It seems like you got into it a little bit in college, but I'm not Joel Byers, so I'm just going to ask you and you can tell us. Yeah, I was about to graduate from college, uh, like literally just months away. It was second semester of my senior year, and I'd always wanted to try comedy. And I mean, second semester, senior year, I, it's just like, what else do I have to lose? You know, so I've always wanted to try this. Let me go to an open mic, did it in front of like eight people. Half of them were the staff. People <laughs> yeah. politely smiled enough <laughs> to keep the kids dreams alive. And as soon as I did stand up once, I mean, it was it was almost like taking the blue pill. I was like, I am a comedian now. I now see the Matrix and I am now a comedian. And it's honestly like if it wasn't so close to graduation, I would have dropped out. And you hear comics like Brian Regan dropped out of college a, the week of graduation because he's like, no, I want to be a comedian. So he dropped out and I went ahead and finished the drill. So Sally <laughs> Mae got her, you know, her dues in. But it was from then on, I'd always wanted to be a comedian, but actually deciding to be a comedian took me until senior year of college. And I haven't looked back since. That's incredible. And I was going to say one of the things that I laud you for too is I don't know if you just don't have any fear or if you have the fear, but just push on anyway. But just hearing you on other podcasts on your special, it sounds like as you were going through and, and on your early stages of comedy, even to the mid and maybe now you did, you performed at strip clubs. You were at places where a white guy <laughs> might should be afraid to perform. <laughs> yes. Uh, for sure. <laughs> and it just seems like you overcame that fear, didn't have that fear. So how did you convince yourself to, to perform at these places. I mean, that's, that's what it takes. I mean, the, the best advice I've always gotten and that I've heard from interviewing over 200 comedians is you have to get on stage. That's the number one piece of advice is you have to get on stage. And those were the stages I could get on, you know, a lot of Atlanta has a great scene and it's continuing to boom and grow. And now it's like known as like the next big scene where all the next, like big comics are coming out of, but some shows I just wasn't cool enough to be on. You know, I, I, I didn't have the cool enough, like mustache and the ironic flannel shirt, or just, I just wasn't in, I was all about just putting in the work, just doing open mics, performing, like you said, in strip clubs and nightclubs and sidewalks and public buses, just wherever I could perform is what I was about. So 
in hindsight, I would not perform at those places. I should have been robbed several times. Shit, dude, shady. Like, there's one place that was called J. Paul's that I would perform at every Thursday on the south side of Atlanta. It had a shooting, shut down, reopened as level two, had another shooting, <laughs> shut down, reopened as J. Paul's. I kept going and performing comedy there through every iteration of the business. I just didn't, I was like, when I say blue pill and I was now in the comedy matrix, like I was just tunnel vision. Where's there a stage? Where can I perform? Where's there a stage where I can perform? And it would be nights of like going to the South side, getting like that strip club show you're talking about. The flyer said eight. I showed up at eight. The place wasn't even open yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I text the booker, the booker, it was not a book. This is not booked. This was just, I texted the drug dealer that was running a show <laughs> and he said, um, oh yeah, we're not going to start till like 10 or 11. And I was just like, oh, that's a good lesson to learn. <laughs> so I ended up driving back to the North side of Atlanta to Buckhead, which is like the more ritzy side of Atlanta, did a show there and then drove back to the South side and did a strip club called the candy shop. Where there was ain't nothing sweet about this place, oh, no. <laughs> and it, and that's that's part of the grind though, and that's what I really want to instill with like my podcast and what I, everything else I'm doing is just the work behind the comedy, because we're seeing comedians on Netflix and they're like, oh man, they're all you got to do is talk, and it's like, no, you have to do comedy for 10, 20, 30 years, and then you're good enough. For people to want to pay to even care about what you say. Now, there's, of course, there's outliers and there's exceptions, and the internet can definitely microwave your success. But for having long term success, you're going to have to put in those hours on stage. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's absolutely a necessary ingredient for success. I think another one, which I think you exemplify, is looking up to people that are more successful or just really crushing it. And I've heard you say this. I mean, on your podcast, you said you've interviewed over 200 comedians, which is amazing. And then you're also studying them, trying to see and, and squeeze the nectar of of what really makes them funny. And so I, I think that's awesome. And, um, and, and then I think you also deliver that nectar to the people that are listening because you're mm. it's funneling through. And so on your podcast, not only have you done the grind for 10 years, you just came out with a special, which I want to talk to talk about in a second. But you're also teaching people how to be funny and you're teaching ordinary people, ordinary people, you're teaching people that just <laughs> are interested in it how to yeah. get more into it, how to write jokes. And, and I think that's something that's really special. And it's not something that everybody does um, or even wants to do. So I think that that's an opportunity for all of our listeners that are interested in comedy. Listen to Hot hot Breath. Listen to Hot Breath. Yeah. And um, I think it's really informative for, for anyone that's just interested in stand-up comedy. Dude, I, yeah, I love, thank you for noticing this. Yeah. And this is a great interview, by the way. So, oh, um, thank, thank you. you for being so knowledgeable on this. Um, but that just today in that writing club, we talked about where we did the writing competition, the lady that won actually, she, she hasn't even, she's never done stand up. She's a fan of comedy. She Googled comedy podcast, found the podcast, heard me talking about the Facebook group, joined the Facebook group, saw the writing club, joined the writing club. And then she won today. 
And like, we're, we're just talking cause the winner gets to come on the show live and like tell mm-hmm. how they wrote the joke. And she was just like, I've never done stand up. I'm just a comedy fan, but your show just makes comedy accessible to everyone. And really just gives me a new appreciation for the craft of it. And that today really was a moment where I was like, Oh yeah. Like, just people that are interested in comedy can still find a lot of value and still enjoy. I may never do stand up, but let me see what it's like to try and write a joke, you know, and it, it just all is about adding new appreciation around the actual work that comedy requires. So this timing of this interview is great because I just had that revelation just a few hours ago of like, Oh wow. Yeah. This can help just make comedy more accessible that's what my brain has been churning all day is it's really adding a bridge yeah exactly exactly i think it was so sweet too seeing her when you brought her on and she just she (laughs) couldn't talk for 30 seconds she was like oh oh my gosh so I, i thought that was adorable she had a great joke too by the way yeah it was yeah it was actually good and she had learned she watched yesterday's winner and he had a fun note about like how he'll look for the inverse or he looks for the misdirect. And she took that tip and she applied it to today's writing and she won. So we're, and I'm learning from these people as well. You know, when I'm interviewing people at any level, I'm always, like you said, trying to distill the nectar. I'm looking (laughs) to learn from everyone. So I've learned this weekend and just the power of the show, but then also how people create, their jokes because what i've learned is there's no like one way to get to a laugh it's just kind of finding your way and Mm -hmm. there's techniques that can help make it easier but at the end of the day what works for me most likely won't work for you to a certain degree we will have overlap but we're all gonna find i think my favorite quote i heard seinfeld say was we're all trying to get to the island of laughter but some people swim in, some people hang glide in, other people take a boat. But as long as you get to that island, that's all that matters. That's a wow. What a nice quote. It's almost like you're that's the harbinger of the rest of the podcast here, because <laughs> we're going to get into some more inspiration. But I, I just wanted to I think we should make this a segment called the compliment shower, because I like to turn it on and spray our guests <laughs> with compliments, get them a little wet, not too much, but <laughs> I just wanted to tell you how much of an impact I think you're making because you're a stand-up comedian. You're making things funny. You're making the world a little better of a place by making people laugh. Then you're teaching more people to be able to be funny because right now, if someone's wanting to be funny, they can Google and they can find things, whatever. But for the most part, they might just go up to an open mic and just bomb. And that sucks. So that might... That might defer, As detract some of them. Yeah, yeah. It's almost ritual yep. now. But you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're creating this platform for people that might be a little too afraid to be able to have these formulas or be equipped to make funny jokes and then go on stage. It makes their life a little better because they get a couple more laughs. It makes the people who are watching their life a little better because they're getting more laughs. So what I'm trying to say is you're changing the world here for the better. Whoa. It's, well, it's, thank you, Stefan. Okay. Just, just a little funnier. All right. Turning off the compliment Thanks. shower. <laughs> I am drenched. This just became not safe for work. <laughs> um, I, I, we're going to go into the podcast in a little bit and the writing classes, but we're going to, we're going to, just finish off top off the comedy talk. So I had a couple questions there. I was going to ask the comedy special, which I just thoroughly enjoyed last night. I was going to ask you put it together. It was all one take in one, one 
experience. What was that like putting together filming and then editing and then releasing your own comedy special? It's the most rewarding thing I've done in my comedy career. Even just, just climbing that mountain of just setting this absurd goal. You have no idea how you're going to achieve it, but just saying I'm doing this. And what was crazy about the evolution of the idea was I started out last year saying, I want to record a comedy album. Like I really wanted to start taking my career, like ramp it up as I was approaching 10 years. I was like, okay, I'm about to be doing this 10 years. I, it's time for me to like switch gears. So what are comedians doing that switch gears? And I was like, oh, well they have an album or they have their own tour. So last year I put together my own two week tour. And what's crazy just to just give credit to the the hot breath of verse, as we call it, is um, that two week tour, 90% of those shows were booked by listeners. And wow. on top of that, the comedy special, I was talking about wanting to record an album. One of the listeners was like, I have a production company. We should just make this a comedy special. So like without the community of the podcast, I wouldn't most likely wouldn't have had that tour and I wouldn't have the comedy special because I wouldn't have thought I'd have been like, I'll just release an album, get it on Sirius XM, you know, and just check it off the list. But then he's like, no, this should, this should be a moment. You know, this is a comedy special. And I was like, well, it's a comedy special. So Dang. I actually thought the easy part was the material, but as you watched it, there's a story arc. There's like a beginning, middle and end. And, a lot of that took massaging and trial and error. And the, uh, the guy, uh, Isaac Stackhouse, his company's Blind Lincoln Productions, he followed me around for three weeks leading up to the special, following me to open mics and out on the road at comedy clubs, preparing wow. for the special. That's cool. So it's really like a documentary. We have so much footage, but just editing together the special was kind of like the first mountain to climb, you know? So it was a lot more work than I thought it would be. And I knew it would be a lot of work, but it was all worth it when it became that night. And I just, it sold out show and it all happened. Like my, my best friend from LA flew in to be one of the camera operators. I'm like in my wedding suit. Um, was it my really dog and wife are on the front row? Yeah. That was my wedding suit. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, it's the, the trophy husband. So it all fit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the venue is the first place I ever headlined like nice. seven years ago when I shouldn't have been headlining. They headlined me like there were so many just serendipitous just details of the entire production that really instilled that I am on the right path. And when it was difficult, I'm like, no, this is supposed to be difficult because it's going to be something. Mm -hmm. Whether that something really for me was just finishing editing, releasing, and hoping to inspire just people. Anybody that watches it that has like a, that voice in the back of their head, that dream they want to pursue, I just wanted this special to really get them active on that. Not even just comedy, but if you had like a jewelry business you wanted to try or you want to start up an eBay store, you want to start painting, just whatever it was, just to inspire people to start listening to that voice. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just one person, which clearly it's been, it's been more, thank goodness. But the whole motivation was, let me just complete this to show other people that it's possible. And it really, I mean, I, I'm almost like 
speechless when I think about it and I look back on it just because it it was very difficult getting back to you asking how it was. But, you know, if I figured if I'm willing to perform at a strip club, you know, I figured I can I can figure out how to do a special that's going to hopefully propel me to the next gear of my career, which it has. So I'm very grateful. Nice. No, I thought <clears throat> I thought it was an excellent special. I thought the teaser to it was good as well. I saw a dog in the mix in the audience and was like, well, what's yeah. that about? And then uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm going to end the special <laughs> with a joke my wife told me not to tell. And so, yeah, you saw that. My, yeah. my interest was peaked. So I think good, good marketing, good. good content. It was awesome. Um, I, hope, I, I hope your audience feels the same way. Oh, they will. We're going to put a link to that right there in the show notes for them to just give a little click on. So that's great. I was also going to ask about your wife. Did you guys, it sounds like you guys met before you did comedy. Is that the case? Yeah, we met in college. So okay. um, we we actually met officially uh, like on my birthday, junior year of college. Um Oh, I sat behind her. I always say I met her freshman year. She met me junior year is what I said in my <laughs> vows at my wedding. Not creepy. <laughs> I sat right behind her in accounting class freshman year. So I was aware of her. But then my, my birthday junior year is actually when we first met. And uh, we watched Planet Earth. We hit it off immediately. Awesome. And it was really just all gung ho from there. I mean, we, we always like hung out. And then we went away for the summers, but then we'd keep in touch some and all we picked right back up where we left off senior year. And then when we left, graduated, we never really talked about plans. We just kind of organically kept in touch. She lived in D.C. for a little while. I went to visit her. She came to Atlanta and saw me in one of the most shadiest, hoodest rooms (laughs) you can imagine. And she went she has seen comedy at its best and worst. And the first time she saw me doing comedy was at its worst. And, but it was $15, baby. Sure. The money was covered in cocaine, but it was $15. (laughs) And I visited her in Nashville when she lived there. And she, then eventually she moved to Atlanta. So it was just kind of this organic relationship that evolved over time. And that's, I think has been my favorite part of our relationship is it's almost seemed unplanned the entire time. It just seemed like everything would just happened in sequential order as it should have. And without her, I wouldn't be thinking at the scale I'm thinking. I wouldn't be motivated at the level I'm motivated at. So it really, I give her a lot of credit for just the success I've had. She made the theme song for my podcast and she made the theme song nice. for the comedy special. Like she's, she's putting her fingerprint on everything. But um, she'll she'll get she'll get her residuals. I promise. But I just I just keep telling her to put it on the tab. Yeah, that's awesome. That that's amazing too. Where the first place she saw you do comedy was the worst possible, or um, one of the worst places, and she still was supporting you and allowing you to do all of this amazing stuff that you're doing. And yeah. then just on a side comment, I'll have to send you, or Eric will send you after this show. One of his clips, Eric does stand up comedy too, and he does an amazing David Attenborough impression. So, oh, interesting. Yes. In case you're looking to re spark that flame. (laughs) (laughs) 
He'll read whatever you want. You can do a cameo. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you, yeah. Should, you should do a cameo account. <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, I last question on the comedy part before we get into the podcast. The yeah. um, do you do you do clean comedy or do you do you venture into the dirties? Because on the special, I think you you maybe had a poop joke or two, but other than that, I, I've I've all heard squeaky clean Joel Byers. Yeah, that that's also been intentional and a standard I set from the beginning. Like when I first started comedy, mm-hmm. the the comic that really got me in to want to perform comedy was Sinbad. And he was always clean. He could always perform in front of anyone, anywhere. So that was me personally. From from beginning to where I am, I've always been mindful about wanting to stay clean and more accessible to more people. Uh, That's just me. I don't. I'm not saying dirty comedy is wrong, but I have uh, like interviewed like a Mark Norman who's not clean and is like, I would recommend comics be clean because there's way more work for them. And he actually said, um, dirty comedy can actually be lazy comedy, was yeah. a quote he said. And not always, of course. I mean, Mark's, Mark's doing great, and there's several examples. Uh, Chris Rock said he, if he were to change one thing, it would be that he would be a clean comic because he would have Ray Romano money, as he says. So uh, <laughs> even dirty comics see the value in clean comedy. I just saw it early on and was like, I want to be able to entertain as many people as possible and by doing that i just want to be clean and yeah some but sometimes even yeah like a poop joke they're like they'll see my clip or something be like could you not do the poop joke or you know (laughs) there's there's levels to clean as well or something like we don't want to offend any poopers out there or whatever (laughs) but have you ever done a clean set and someone came back and said yeah but that that one joke and you're like which one I've had I've had like bookers see like a clip of me and be like, uh, could you not do that? Or I've had bookers pass like saying I was like too dirty or because, you know, like as Stefan knows, I guess Eric hasn't bought the special yet, but it's fine, Eric. Um, but I guess, <laughs> Stefan, you noticed I will like walk the line on some things as well. Like I'll I'll talk about some like some race things and maybe like get into a, a few topics, but I do them in a clean and playful way. But some people even just hear me like talking about race and they're like, oh, we don't want to we don't want to ruffle any feathers or anything. So I have noticed even being a clean comic, some people are like, yeah, we only want you talking about soap. Could you just do jokes about soap (laughs) and maybe some Clorox? And then I think we'll book you. (laughs) You know, to that point, I think you while you are a clean comic cleanish maybe depending on who we're talking about or talking to but i think you also are able to walk on those lines of things that might come across as controversial or get a couple oohs or things like mm-hmm. that especially i know you talked about this on your special about being as white as you are talked about being <laughs> was it diet white <laughs> diet white yeah 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 um <laughs> which i thought was funny and well thought out and then also there's a little bit uh you can feel a little bit of tense in the air but there's still the laughter so there are things Mm -hmm. that that you're talking about that not every comic would feel comfortable talking about or they would feel comfortable talking about but it's just not funny but you were able you were able to harness the funny as well as tactfully talking about those things so thank you i mean that yeah that's that's uh intentional and 
That's the number one. It has to be funny. Like whatever right. you're talking about, comedians, right. if you're listening, it has to be funny, period. <laughs> if it's funny, you could get away with it. But not if it's not funny, then it's just offensive or it's, you're just doing spoken word. Mm -hmm. It's like it has to be funny. And I do want I do like to keep the audience on its heels like that, where I talk about my wedding and the wedding planning and the dog. But then it is also like some of the more taboo topics that make people maybe a little uneasy. But it's kind of like it's like the, the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know, because like with the podcast and everything else I do, I like people to be educated while they're being entertained. So I do like to intentionally instill those into all of like my comedy jokes because I want people to feel when they're at the show. They're not just blindly laughing. A lot of comics you see, you're like, oh man, they were funny for an hour and you don't remember anything they said. Yeah, I like to create material that's also memorable. And a lot of that comes from evoking emotional reactions from the audience that they weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I was going to say, I think out of the special, the two parts where people, it almost seemed like they were reluctant to laugh was the dog and <laughs> just put it down, which I, I mean, I've stopped doing stand up since, but I had a joke where I was actually hunting with my dad. And then my joke was we saw an elk and uh, my dad told me to take a shot. I closed my eyes shot i opened them saw that i got him right in the back and people were like oh and the joke was and that's why my dad's in a wheelchair Bad yeah. jo <laughs> horrible joke now that i think <laughs> but anyway people were just they were they were not having it with the elk maybe the joke just wasn't funny in general <laughs> but the the animal being hurt just the the thought of it was not not fun for them oh i i did that joke i did um a holiday party for the aspca and i did that joke and they were all like oh they're like really here here you're gonna say that they were fun about it but they really were like really you're gonna say that uh, and, and then the it's all the, fun yeah and then the only other part too was about kids where you were talking about kids and yeah. then you you acknowledged it you were like so you said something really funny you were like oh so you guys like kids <laughs> basically right exactly yeah and i left i was intentional one i did it all in one take you know i did a lot of specials you're seeing these comics are recording it like five times and they're just whittling together just the like the perfection over five shows i really yeah. wanted with this special when i'm talking about like wanting to show like the authentic side to comedy but also like just inspiring other people to just know just just start whatever it is you want to do just start or if you've already started do you know what i mean like right, so right. i want to do this special so i did it is it perfect no did i forget my jokes at one point yes did i leave <laughs> it in yes did i I walked out the first time. A camera wasn't set up. Did we reset? Yes. Did we leave it in? Yes. Like I left all of those, what what some people would say, like failures within the production. I left all that in because that's what makes it real. I feel like that's what people are missing with a lot of these comedy specials where they are seeing like these huge sweeping crane shots over a sold out audience of like, 5,000 people and just this huge grandiose to me but comedy at its I feel like at its truest form is comedy is intimate and it's real and it's raw and that's the 
aesthetic I really wanted to capture with this special. And I, I don't know. What do you think, Stefan? Did we? I know Eric didn't get it yet, so he wouldn't know. But um, <laughs> what do you, <laughs> I mean, what do you think, Stefan? Did it come across? I think it. I think you hit it right on the head because I think awesome. the first five minutes, how you were talking about how you were, it showed you getting dressed. We saw some boxers, so that that may have intrigued some of the audience right there from the start. <laughs> then I forgot the name of the guy that introduced you. Then he introduced you. Then there were technical difficulties. You walked off, and then he was talking about organic. And then there was a chain that yeah. you could see the the shadow, and he's like. He was a black guy, so he's like, yeah. I'm obviously not doing a show where the white guy's got a chain. Uh, yeah. And so I thought I thought all of that stuff was just real. It was funny. And I you I th- I think you are right, where people want to see everything, where they're they're not just looking for the perfection of a production anymore. I think they're mm-hmm. also looking for what goes behind the scenes of it. And I think that's why like a show like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is so good because one it just splashes you with the nostalgia of the 1950s well i wasn't born then but it, it brings us all back to what a, a world that we could at least imagine from movies that mm-hmm. we've seen or things like that and then it also goes beyond it's not just her doing stand-up after stand-up after stand-up it's just the details behind it her life is definitely not perfect and we like to see that because we are all pieces of garbage at some point <laughs> an aspect <laughs> So if we see other garbage, we get to attract to that garbage. Um, exactly. Yeah, it makes it more attainable. Like you right. see, if you see a John Mulaney special at Radio City Music Hall, you're like, oh, when would I ever be able to do that? But if you see me in front of like 60 people in a small black box theater, you're like, oh, that's attainable. And other, right. I mean, Sarah Silverman has done like a very small intimate comedy special like the bigger names also see the value in shooting a comedy special like this. And I see it reverting back to that in some ways as the special has just gotten so just big and blown out of proportion. People, people are like, all right, it's very bright. Can we just enjoy some like just comedy? And that's, that's what this special is. I mean, 10 years of me refining this craft now presented out into like a special. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that's why, places like the comedy cellar i i went there i was fortunate enough that was my first time seeing comedy and they had i got to see neil brennan who's worked on the Chappelle show he has a netflix special three mics which is one of my mm-hmm. favorites and then aziz ansari chris rock showed up and it it they they could definitely expand make a bigger place and and make it more grandiose but they've decided to keep it small because they're they're keeping on the theme of making it an intimate experience keeping it real i mean the comics go up there like chris rock had all of his sheets of paper and notes and things like that so cool it it was awesome and i will never forget that experience because i got to see him in all the other hbo specials and all that stuff but then seeing him there that was something that i feel was a connection with me and him and and um he didn't think so when i tried to talk to him after the show but (laughs) oh no (laughs) you get you get do you get heisman yeah i got i got the the face to the forehead so no (laughs) i I didn't from from his security guard not even him so it was like a snap no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm not that brave i'm really not oh okay yeah i believed you i just fan you never know how people are you know yeah i try not to disturb too much especially if they're a big star i i yeah, I haven't really. The The closest ex- experience I got, and I thought about talking to them, but I ended up not. I was in church in Montclair, New Jersey, 
and I was late. I would go with my aunt. And so I was in the back towards the exit. And then I see this man start to leave and he looks very familiar. And I go, wait a second. Is that Stephen Colbert? And then ah. I, I look and I go, no, no way. No way. And then I see him again. I was like, oh my God, that is Stephen Colbert. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I see, because I know that dis- one of the distinct features is that ear that kind of juts out almost oh. kind of like a premature Dumbo. And then I see it <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's Stephen Colbert. And meanwhile, he's looking at me making all these faces going, no, no. <laughs> and so and so <laughs> a, as he walks out, he just gives me a wink and a nod and then leaves. Oh, that's that's that's, that's almost cool. better than getting to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, it cool. was it was yeah. very special. Yeah, it was very special. So Aww, that's great. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I feel like we could talk for hours here. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. We'll try and keep it as succinct as possible. But I've got a, qu- a couple questions about your podcast, too. So, you're doing great, Stefan. Please. Oh, you're thank, doing great, buddy. Oh, thank God. That, that, <laughs> that compliment shower goes both ways. I'm glad we're both exactly. under it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's backing up. <laughs> I was going to ask about the podcast Hot Breath. Why Hot Breath? I love the name, but I was wondering if there was a backstory to it. There... They're really, I was a fan of NPR's Fresh Air, and (laughs) I just liked the quick, I just liked the quick words of, like, fresh air. So I was looking for, like, a two-word hitter that would, like, punch you like a fresh air does, and I I don't even remember any other ideas I have. I feel like Hot Breath, if not the first, definitely one of the very early ideas was just hot breath. It just it just hit and it was catchy. I wasn't even thinking about that it's a podcast and you're talking and it means bad breath and all that. I was literally just thinking it sounds cool and it's now it's stuck <laughs> and I'm grateful because now people that listen can be like hot breath. They like they know they know the show and all the little easter eggs within it. But it all just started with me like what sounds cool and <laughs> hot breath was it. <laughs> I will say I remember it. I also I get a feeling with it. I just feel more warm. I don't know if it's in a repulsive way or if it's in a warm, <laughs> comforting way, but it's in a way that is is impressionable. So that's great. I, that's good to know. Yeah, it's like the humid air of Atlanta. <laughs> like hot Atlanta, as we call it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so you've had. It, the 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 structure of the podcast is you have these amazing guests which first off how do you get such splendid guests to to get on your podcast it's asking um <laughs> turns out if you ask people in a professional <laughs> way they'll say yes um sometimes sometimes right it is like a tweet and i'm like hey you i see you're coming to atlanta if you'd like to do the podcast and i'll have like a link or something so they can see others as the sh- credibility of the show builds, it also helps if I have like a resume of over 200 comics who at least a few of those are going to be mutual friends of whoever I'm asking. Mm-hmm. That always helps. Um, like a Cedric the Entertainer happened through a referral. Like I interviewed his opener who then was like, I'll hook you up with said. So um, sometimes it is more of like a referral from a previous guest. Other times it's me just throwing a Hail Mary on social media. And some of the time it's me emailing the publicist saying, hey, so-and-so has a TV show coming out or a special coming out or a book coming out. Love to have them come on the show and promote. So it really runs the gambit, but 
that's part of the invisible work of a podcast. You know, you, you know from podcasting the amount of work these podcasts require. Just like with stand-up, podcasting, dude, there's a reason. I don't remember the stat, but it is like 70% of podcasts have less than 10 episodes. It's like something absurd like that because people get into it and are like, Oh, each episode takes like 15 hours um, to do, you know, things like that. So a lot of the invisible work is also booking a guest, also researching the guests. So also, I think if you're asking about booking a guest, it's also having a quality show for someone to come on. Like if it's if I'm just another comic who's like, hey, we want to come on and just see who can out funny each other, then it's there's less incentive than if it's like, hey, come on for this unique specific reason, you know, so it is. Comics like talking about comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never really heard a podcast that was talking about comedy in the way that Hot Breath is. Now there's a few, but at the time I didn't really know of any. Mark Norman, not Mark Norman, Mark Marin was probably like the closest, but it still wasn't where I thought it should be. So I kind of created the show I wish existed, and it turns out that people want to be a guest on it. So I'm kind of grateful for that. But it's it's been a lot of building the resume, a lot of like uh, I just had Nate Bargatze on and someone reached out to me like another comic is like, Hey, can you hook, hook me up with Nate to come on my podcast? And I was like, I've been talking to Nate for two years. <laughs> like I've been nurturing this relationship for two years to get him on this podcast. And like, it's people think it is just like, Oh, you just, you just texted him. And he said, sure. It's like, no, we've we've been working on this for two years, and a lot of people don't understand that part. So it sometimes is, it's just texting them, though, right? You get lucky. I mean, oh, dude, Andrew Schultz, I tweeted him when he was in Atlanta, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, so sometimes it is that easy, but then other times it is like you reach out to them and you go back and forth, and it didn't work out of the scheduling, and they can't like sometimes it's that. But oh yeah, just yeah. like we're talking about the work of stand up being worth it. I'm as just as passionate about this podcast. So all of those, all that work and headache and back and forth, it's, it's all been worth it for me. That's awesome, man. That That's really cool. And I, I feel you're totally right. And I, the, I think a lot of being creative, reaching out, asking, that's the most important thing. The second most important thing is follow up. Cause I'm sure that so many people are so busy that not in a oh, yeah. rude way or an imposing way, but just to follow up his some, I, I think 50% of the guests that we've had too, I've just been like, Hey, just wanted to check in. And they're like, Oh, sorry. I totally forgot about this. And then sometimes out of the blue, others will just reach out and then be like a, a month or two later and be like, yeah, I'd love to be on. So it's just making sure that either being persistent and then also plant you, those seeds. Yeah. yeah. And then you also mentioned rescheduling. We've also had some cases where it's just, it's been, I've, I've, I'll have to look at the emails for the, the actual number, but it's like 27, 30, it's like five, six reschedules. So just being patient, understanding that they're just as busy and, um, you know, my podcast is not the most important thing in the world right now to anyone else besides. Yeah. You can't be afraid to hear no. If you hear no, what's what's the difference? You're going to be right back where you were if you never asked to begin with. Of course. Oh, dude, I emailed Seinfeld's publicist. I'm yep. I'm shooting for the moon. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. oh, he has a special coming out. Let me email his publicist. <laughs> like, oh, dude, yeah. I, I mean, just at this point, I'm throwing way more hail marys than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll just see what sticks. But yeah, numbers I'm, game. 
Yeah, you, know? you can't. Yeah, numbers game. Exactly. Just like joke writing, the more jokes you write, the more good jokes you're going to have, just the more guests you reach out to, the more good guests you're going to have. Exactly. And you know, you get a couple of those really good guests. It just takes a couple, but you can start snowballing in terms of mm-hmm. you get one big one and someone else goes, okay, so-and-so was on, I'll go on. Yeah, or they became a big guest. So it's like I've inter- like I interviewed sure. Mark Norman before he was really popping like this. So now uh, we've have a relationship. He understands the show and enjoys it. So I've been able to interview him like twice more. I've interviewed him three times total now since then. So it's like some some of these guests are you get them before they're that big, but they're someone you're a fan of, and then over time, you know, there's I there's countless comics I've interviewed who I was a fan of, but the world wasn't yet, who are now like household names. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. <sighs> All right. The Hot Breath was just released. Is there anything <laughs> else? <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> I've, been pro- I've been practicing that since yesterday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> is there... Is there shows. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Is there is there anything else, Joel, you want to talk out before we talk about before we get into the self help portion of the podcast? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we've covered it all. It's been great. Oh man, it's been absolutely awesome. Thanks again for joining. Uh, we're gonna get into the self help portion, and yeah. before we dive in, we like to center ourselves with a nice quote of the week, an inspirational quote. But before we dig into that, Joel, we'd like to ask you. And we like to ask our guests if they have any inspirational quotes to get them through their days. You mentioned one from Seinfeld, which was great. Mm -hmm. Do you have any others in your back pocket? You know, one that just hit me this week that's been just echoing throughout my brain has been uh, from Ted Alexandro. Um, Are you familiar with Ted Alexandro? Uh, Yeah, he conquered a lot of Mesopotamia, right? Oh, that, oh that, that. just outsmarted my joke. Alexandro the Great. He's, he's a New York comedian who's he's released like four comedy specials all independently. Like he's 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 one of your favorite comedians, favorite comedians. It's like that. Um, he's like he'd be like a David Tell where like if you know him, you know him. Uh-huh. And he's killer. But if you don't, then it's like who? But he said uh, when I recently interviewed him that like you'll never regret working harder. And that's really stuck with me on just when I'm having hesitation or self-doubt or just, is this really worth it? It's like, you'll never regret working harder, whatever it is now more than ever, I think with us being quarantined and things like that and really reprioritizing what you value, really start putting in the work towards things you care about and you'll, you'll never regret working harder at it. So that's, that's really become kind of my new motto. Wow. That's a beautiful That's quote. That's really that, good. that makes me almost embarrassed to introduce our quote that we've been provided <laughs> by, by um, artificial intelligence robot called Inspirobot. And what it does is it takes some of the most inspirational words known to man, meshes them together for a nice, juicy, motivational quote for us. So, Eric, would you like to read the, this week's motivational quote? This week's quote, don't believe in your neighbor's heart attack, just feel. Mm, that hits you right in the heart. You know, you really, <laughs> that really pulls at your heartstrings right there. Yeah, let alone your neighbors. Wow. <laughs> All right. 
I mean, I think that's full of motivation. Let's try and um and decode this one. Don't believe in your neighbor's heart attack. Just feel. Is it just saying that neighbors are so needy sometimes that sometimes if they if you feel like they're trying to get attention, you just should ignore them. Feel what is in your heart and um just walk on by and think someone else will take care of it. Well, that's my a, heart feels fine. That that's yeah, that's a good idea. Do you maybe have it's like the boy who cried wolf though. Maybe you have a neighbor who is constantly saying they're having a heart attack. So maybe that's like your resolution to them. When your neighbor says they're having a heart attack, you're like, just feel, just feel neighbor. (laughs) Or maybe it's saying, maybe it's saying, don't believe it. You actually have to feel the heart through chest compressions. So it's like, Uh, get in there, put in, put in a complete 180 on this instead of ignoring, go to them and just really dig into their heart with your, your palms and chest. That seems to be the most logical one. Or it's like you don't believe in, like you don't believe in ghosts. It's like you don't believe in your neighbor's heart attack. Maybe you have to have (laughs) faith. I don't know. I like your, I should have left it at yours, I think is what we're saying. I tried to tag it up. You got greedy. We should have left them laughing. And now there's a lull. No, I'm like, really? This guy interviews comedians and he's a comedian for 10 years and he has a comedy special. What a loser. He can't even make jokes about someone dying of a heart attack. Jeez. <laughs> no, you know what? The magic of editing is going to allow me yeah. <laughs> to make everything you say sound a little bit worse. So, that, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is just about propping me up. That's what this podcast is about. some extra ums. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, I used to edit all those out of when on the early days of Hot Breath. Sometimes like a guest would say ums a lot or I would have a lot of filler words. I would go back and edit out every single one. It took hours. That's you can't do the same thing. I I don't take out every um because I don't want it to sound like we're perfect human beings. But I'll I'll edit out a couple of mine, Eric's, the guests, just so it's not so it's like a chocolate chip cookie. You know, you want to have a couple. Mm. But if it's just too many that you don't get to taste the flavor of the cookie part it's just not it helps to like add like a new skill set to your interviewing as well though having learning from listening to your interviews it it has really helped me to iron out a lot of those lulls and ums and pauses just by having to edit them out for hours i'm like i don't want to be up till 3 a.m doing this again so you better get on getting out these filler words and they've just kind of massaged out over time that's but yeah we all do it but it is creating a quality product you know you want people to listen if it's not a great interview sometimes you know i don't edit them at all anymore but in the early days i would if the guest kind of rambled was a little meandery like i had one go two hours and i was like an hour an hour of this is like just rambling or reiterating what she was already saying and I've had things a few like that just in the very early days, but now I just I just leave them as is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I think at the begin, exactly like you said, we've gotten a lot better too with the getting rid of the ums. I think the the part where I still do it, and it's calling myself out right now, is kind of embarrassing because I think I'm going to do it again. But if I hit a joke and it doesn't land, I just try and pick it back up and be like, um, uh, all right, so. <laughs> 
like on stage. So what do y'all want to talk about? Uh, (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, let's get into the question part. So we've got a question. It's come from Reddit and it's, it's been sent to us from our fan, James. Thank you, James. This question goes, or my dog hates me. How do I get my jealous dog to stop resenting me? I have had him for about five years now and have recently just found a new girlfriend. However, my dog doesn't seem to like her. Whenever I kiss her, he just growls and poops on my bed. What What do I do? I love both of them. Sad face, sad face, sad face. Sincerely, Pooch Problems in Philly. So I thought Mm. of this one. I thought of you, Joel, because I know that... <laughs> I know that when Hell your yeah. wife when your wife gives your dog too much attention, you uh, growl and poop on the bed. So I just wanted to ask, how do you guys handle that dynamic where you've got your wife? Your wife says she loves your dog more than you. Is that the case? Yeah, she she actually said that. Yeah, the, it, it's a whole bit in the comedy special, but she did actually say that. And she does. She is currently with the dog right now. And I've got to be <laughs> honest, leaving them alone this long makes me a little uncomfortable that I'm about to be replaced. But I think like any good dog, I just now just roll over and take it. You know, I'm I'm obedient. You know, I sit, stay, cook, clean, whatever keeps her working is really what I do. But I think for for James here, I mean, I think the dog's telling him something. I don't know where he met this girlfriend. Maybe it was through Tinder. And probably the dog saw how he met. It was probably late. 2 a.m. on a Saturday night alone, cuddling with a dog, swiping right and left. And the dog just knows this isn't going anywhere. And I think he's trying to help you out, James. If you just listen to the dog, the dog will lead the way. And maybe the dog wants to date you as well. I don't know if you've tried that route. I know. um, (laughs) What state do you live in? So we'll leave it at that. (laughs) But I I think, I think you got to listen to the dog. I tell you, I've, my wife has really trained me as a dog to just listen to our dog. And whenever he wants anything, he gets it in spite of me. And I think you just, you got to understand that as humans, we think we own dogs, but really they own us. And the sooner you realize that, I think the happier you'll be and the happier you'll be to have a dog friend instead of a girlfriend. I think you're absolutely right, Joel. I feel like dogs, they know things a little bit better than we do. Why? Because they embrace life and how quickly it's going to end. Because for them, seven years (laughs) transpires in one. So I feel like... I know that it's a common misconception that Drake invented YOLO, but I think it was from a golden retriever named Sparky because they're just like, got to keep on living. And if, if, if they're not going to shut up if they think that your girlfriend is not good news. So I would say, listen to the dog, not your heart. Yeah. Listen to the dog. That's, I'm glad I got married before getting the dog because who knows what would have happened. My, my, my wife, she wanted to get a cat. So that's one thing in front of her love for me. And then she wanted to get another one. So now there are two. So I'm competing. Oh, oh, dude. You're, yeah, you're third fiddle now. I know. And I don't know how to play any instruments. So it's real tough. <laughs> I, but, but the cats and I, we started to get along a little bit. So that's, that's good at least. They also don't growl or poop on the bed. So maybe just get a cat. I, there's something to that. If the dog wasn't pooping 
and growling before this girlfriend there she's gonna she's gonna break your heart she's gonna break your heart and the dog's gonna say i told you so there's a reason a dog is called man's best friend and not girlfriend's best friend (laughs) (laughs) listen to the dog james dog listen to the dog dog i think yeah the dog might just be trying to say don't shit the bed here on this one and uh (laughs) you gotta you gotta listen you gotta listen or maybe he's testing whether or not this girlfriend cleans up after herself or how she reacts to pooping. Is it if the dog's testing like, well, is she going to clean up after me? Is she even worth keeping around? Maybe maybe it's just a test and maybe he does like her, but he's given her that tough love. Oh, man. I, <laughs> Eric, what are your thoughts about this? Maybe the dog needs a girlfriend. Maybe the mm. dog's just lonely. That is. Does the girlfriend have a dog she can bring over? That's a good point. That's an excellent point. Can or you, get- uh, you guys were touching in on uh, what he's had the dog for five years now. This uh, how long does a dog live, really? Like, <laughs> well, seriously, fifteen. Did Eric just freeze? <laughs> he froze. Eric just froze. Right. I can't, I can't, I'm going to take a screenshot of that because I think he that's froze right at the perfect time. Oh, God. We'll just move on without him like we do. He, can you hear me? Eric, We're you're back. back. You're back. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Repeat from yesterday. God. You thought it was your dog that kicked you off. You're like, all right, that's enough out of you giving away all our secrets. <laughs> well, yeah, we heard some growling and then a thought it was a poop sound, but it was me. <laughs> so, so sorry. It was me. <laughs> so you were saying 15 years or five years, how long is it going to live? I was live? just saying, how long can a dog really live? This dog's probably thinking, how long could this relationship last? If he's with her forever, I'm going to have to deal with her the rest of my life. Dang. Yeah, that's a good point. I really like the setting up the dog thing, too. That sounds really sweet. And I'm just imagining she brings over a dog. You guys make a plate of spaghetti and then you put it in an alleyway and then they sit. They get their quiet time and then the the magic ensues. So I feel like that's the best solution. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, it is decided. Good job, Eric. Okay, we're going to move on into our next segment, and this is celeb advice, where we give advice to celebs, because why not? Now, we usually pick a trustworthy source like Perez Hilton or TMZ. We read the article, and then we see what advice we can give. So, Eric, would you like to read this week's article? Here, All right, this juicy gobs comes from the Daily Beast. Britney Spears sets my heart on fire. Will you do the Britney voice? (laughs) Why not? Hi, guys. I'm in my gym right now. I haven't been here for like six months because I burnt my gym down, unfortunately. (laughs) This week, Britney Spears posted a video on her Instagram in which she explains, with all the matter-of-factness of my dad reading aloud our house's new Wi-Fi password that she accidentally set fire to her home gym six months ago. I had two candles, and yeah, one thing led to another, and I burned it down. Just like no biggie, that's the whole story about the candle fire, and here is one minute and 45 seconds of me showing you how... Wait, what? Joel, we usually have more clarity here on the, on the articles. This one's a little <laughs> more confusing. Mid-voice is weirdly Wait, what? What is that? 
that's the whole story about the candle fire and here is one minute and 45 seconds of me showing you how i now lift free weights in the smoke touched aftermath of that little old conflagration (laughs) fuck yeah we know britney spears didn't write that (laughs) (laughs) look at all those syllables (laughs) oh my god now it's complete with her greatest post caption yet it was an accident but yes i burn it down shy monkey face i walked past the door to the gym and flames flame 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 boom by the grace of god the alarm siren went off and yippee hurrah nobody got hurt prayer unfortunately now i have only two pieces of equipment left lol and a one-sided mirror gym I roll, I roll, I roll, but it could be much worse, so I'm grateful. P.S. I like working out better outside. Anyways, flower, 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 flower. <laughs> Any advice for Brit? So, oh, holy shit. <laughs> career's been on fire for years, <laughs> so this is really just the culmination. Doesn't she have, like, an adult babysitter? Isn't that the deal? <laughs> for her i heard something yeah i heard got something like a, about that she has no autonomy over anything of her life she does what she's told oh wow i thought she okay. was just thinking oh my gym's lit and she didn't interpret the slang right. uh, so she just that's good i had to get one cheesy joke in there yeah <laughs> right well what i consider cheesy i'm sure i had a lot but um there's the um again calling myself out eric we're going to pivot from me, take less attention from me. What are you thinking about this? Were you a big Britney Spears fan when you were growing up? What was your favorite song? Gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> growing up with a little sister in the house, yeah, I definitely experienced some of that in my in my daily life. But I wouldn't say I was actually, you know, you hear some of it on those now, that's what I call music compilations mm-hmm. right, <laughs> back right. in the day. Right. But um I don't know. I think this is a cry for help. I think she was, <laughs> I think she was trying to escape because she's got this conservative, like her, her, what is it called? The conservatorship. Her, her dad is in control of her life because she's crazy and shaved off her hair. And Oh God. Yeah. Do they you claim either. that that's the claim at least. <laughs> yeah. I don't really stay Britney Spears woke. I don't know what's going on in her life. I'm a, I'm more of a Hanson guy, so I don't know much. I, I like, I like my pop stars to be boys, but look like girls. So that's how I approached the pops, the pop song craze. What is going on with Hanson nowadays? I thought they all were old and gray. Oh, they, they brew their own beer now. It's called like Um Hops. Oh, oh man. Is that true or did you make that joke? <laughs> no, that is true. I just dab <laughs> on that. That's oh, true. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I they also secretly <laughs> Slipknot. Ooh, that's quite a contrast to everything we were talking about. But yeah, I would say <laughs> Slipknot, you went in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> Britney Spears, Hanson, and Slipknot. <laughs> I would love to hear Slipknot do a cover of Mbop. That would be pretty. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I would pay to hear that on Spotify for sure. Yeah, I would do Spotify Premium to hear that with no ad interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So, guys, what do you think Britney should do? I feel like now that the smoke is cleared, there's an opportunity for her to just 
start anew. I don't think she should have any gyms anymore. I think she should have her candle privileges taken away from her. Yeah. Yeah. Only LED candles at this point. No more fire for Brittany. Yeah. No more fire. No matches. No, no candles. Um, maybe not Yo- even a magnifying glass. Oh no, God, mm. God. I think she probably watched Toy Story and figured out what that did, but maybe, <laughs> maybe yoga. I feel like that's a calming exercise for her where maybe she could center her thoughts and she wouldn't light things on fire as much or shave her head. Yeah, I think, I think yoga is the way to go. I, I really want her to stop using, um, fire emojis as well i don't know if we can iron that out of her daily ritual but she too many emojis i feel like people that use as many emojis as her which i do appreciate you actually reading the emojis as well (laughs) thank you um yeah there's some mental instability going on if instead of using words you're having to you know use emojis to express you burning down a gym you know faulkner wasn't using emojis that's all i'm gonna say and faulkner was an author for everyone who doesn't know an author, an author writes books. For those of you who don't know what a book is, <laughs> books were printed on paper back when paper had value. Kind of like how money used to have value. <laughs> Same thing with books. <laughs> well, here, I, I might suggest that Faulkner didn't use emojis because they weren't available to him. I don't know if that app was out yet, but yeah, I he think he's yes and me there, Stefan. This guy's <laughs> splitting hairs. I'm talking about Faulkner. <laughs> well, actually, Joel, uh, they didn't have emojis back then. Oh, did they not, Stefan? There weren't emojis back well, then. I, I, what I'm just trying to introduce <laughs> My is, joke is flawed. If there, were, if there were emojis, what do you think Faulkner's favorite one would be? Because I'm thinking maybe the fire one. Maybe, maybe the, the fire one. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the skull one maybe for like <laughs> being dark but uh yeah the fire or the skull one yeah maybe combined the combination fire and but i can't even lie that i know faulkner's work beyond the book as i lay dying that i read the spark notes of sophomore year of high school so i just want (laughs) the verdict to know that my liberal arts degree did not include a faulkner subscription so as far as my faulkner reference went was with knowing his name. And then Stefan comes in with, well, actually, he didn't have emojis. And I was like, oh, did I say the wrong author? <laughs> I've said someone else. I'm glad that you stopped it there, too, because I didn't even know who Faulkner was either. I thought it was an actor in a Netflix movie, so I'm glad. <laughs> I know Whew. just as much about him as Britney Spears, pretty much. But now I know more because I know she burned down her gym. But, it's, I mean, every, every celebrity is just looking for attention. I think she did it on purpose just to get likes. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. Boom. Bam. Getting the scoop here. Roasted. All right. Well. That's why Faulkner burned down his gym. <laughs> spilling the tea. Ah, <laughs> Faulkner burned out his gym. <sighs> oh, God. All right. Well, I think we provided a lot of advice for Brit. I think we found other ways for her to burn calories. So I think we're going to go on (laughs) to the closing of the show. Now, we're going to end. But before we do, we just wanted to extend a huge thank you to Joel for being our guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Thank you. Great, great, uh, great show. Bravo, gents. 
Oh, thank time. you. You got us a little wet with that compliment shower. So Ooh. appreciate that. Joel, <laughs> where, can, where can people find you? What have you got going on? This is your time to spray the listeners with uh, yourself. Yes. If, if you want to get sprayed by me, <laughs> might I recommend you go to my website, um, joelbyerscomedy.com. And I'm saying that directly to Eric because that is where he can purchase my comedy special. J-O-E-L-B-Y-A-R-S comedy.com. The first thing you'll see is purchase my comedy special. It's pay what you want. And if you feel like supporting, that's a great way. And you feel like laughing, that's another great way. But on my website, you're going to find the podcast. You're going to find the comedy special, my blog, all of that fun stuff. I'm on social media at Joel Byers Comedy and at Hot Breath Pod is the Facebook social media. But most importantly, I would just say keep supporting this show. And if you like supporting this show, then I was just really just trying to build uh-huh. a little little credibility to say, if you like supporting them, support me by following. <laughs> well, you it's, did all, it. it's all what you want to do at the end of the day. So if you, if you, if you enjoyed this interview... Go to my website, check out the comedy special, check out the podcast. It's wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that jazz. And we're also on YouTube. We mentioned the video. I'm on YouTube now as well. The The channel, it's growing. It, it's almost at 4,000 subscribers now. So help us get oh. there oh. by going to youtube.com slash hotbreathpod. And if you love comedy, you'll love the show. That's the gist. Damn. Guaranteed. All right. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. And all of that information is going to be in the show notes for all of our thank you. dumb listeners to be able to just click <laughs> on there. No. Oh, that, that's a great that's a great closing right there. <laughs> all our stupid listeners that are too dumb to support you, like Eric. <laughs> no, oh no! Oh, oh. <laughs> it's all fun. It's all. Fun. <laughs> Uh, you, there's a trailer of my special on on the YouTube as well. If you want to get a teaser of it and just get a taste for my comedy, there's a free trailer on there you can check out. Oh, and it is a scrumptious taste, if I do say so myself. Ooh, thank mm. you. Well, if Stefan believes it, you better believe it, listeners. Go get it. Yeah, you hear that, dumb listeners? It's delicious. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I love you. You know we're just in jest here. I know you can't say anything back, which gives me more power, and I love it. But anyway, now's the time where we thank our listeners. You guys are awesome. We love you. Thank you for supporting the show. If you guys haven't yet, please subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We love all of that, and we appreciate it. So thank you very much. We love you. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.